1: Toss a casino chip to your Witcher. Our podcast title is Potterface. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And today we're going to look at the spin-off to the Witcher television show Blood Origin, or one of the spin-offs at least. And mm-hmm. also Poker Face. Yeah. Which is um, I think the latest in the Pokemon series. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will give you, it is, I think it's a rotten title for a great show. <laughs> all right,
1: let's 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 unsheath our broadsword and slash into The Witcher Blood Origin. Now, mm-hmm. you will know of the Henry Cavill series on Netflix. And yes, the now
0: maligned, well, not maligned at all, but a little bit of controversy <laughs> around that yes. one. Yes. <laughs>
1: Well, let's do a quick background. We have covered The Witcher before, six fantasy novels and a bunch of short stories by Polish author Andrzej Sapkowski from 1986 onwards, and it featured the very dangerous magic warrior Geralt of Rivia, a supernaturally Mm. empowered monster hunter who always seemed to be mm. a bit down on his luck.
0: <laughs> yes, he's got a bit of a rep around town, unfortunately, through the lands. but um,
1: yes. They adapted these stories into a film called The Hexer and at least two oh. television series, The Hexer and The Witcher, and mm. innumerable video games and comic books. And the video games have been really, really successful.
0: Yeah, that's where I come into The Witcher lore originally through playing The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, um, which is directly adapted from the books. Uh, and so I think it might be a lot of what a lot of people think of when they think of The Witcher.
1: Mm. I knew nothing about them, never heard of them, anything at all.
0: <laughs> They're very good. The Witcher has another reboot coming out. As we mentioned, The Last of Us has the redo where they've up done, you know, done the visuals again. Um Witcher has also, which three has also received that treatment. There
1: are three seasons of the show for Netflix. I think there's two out now. Uh, Henry Cavill playing Geralt
0: and playing him very, very well. He's a big fan of the books mm. too, and so I think he wanted to be involved.
1: Yeah. But of course, uh, that sort of passion can lead to complications when they want to change course and
0: creative differences. I believe we call yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> and Liam
1: Hemsworth is going to be playing going onward
0: i'm not sure about I'm, I'm not i cannot see liam as gerald i cannot picture it but look uh, a lot of people couldn't see uh heath ledger as the joker so let's give everyone a shot
1: perhaps even now liam hemsworth is over at his bros gym and they're pushing truck tires around and and waggling ropes you know how they do that
0: oh yeah <laughs> i think chris would have been a better Geralt, but
1: they but you know, who am Yeah, I? that'd be a bit, I think mean, be a bit of a typecast for him, actually.
0: Probably. That's probably part of it, too. Yeah. So,
1: The Witcher Blood Origin, it's a four episode miniseries created by mm-hmm. Declan DeBarra and Lauren Schmidt Hisrich. And these are two producers who've had a lot to do with all sorts of things. Um, Schmidt Hisrich is a US producer and screenwriter, and she is actually the series creator of The Witcher. Yes, so she's kind of come over from the core series mm, there. Seen her work before on the West Wing, Daredevil, the Defenders and the Umbrella Academy, amongst other things. So this is set about 1,200 years before the TV Mm. show. So it's basically telling you the story of the first Witcher. And it's got... The blood origin, if you will. And it's got... um, (laughs) Actually, uh, Geralt's bard ally, Jaskia, and he is like a bookend. There's going to be an epic tale told about this, and he's the guy who's going to tell it. And you know, there's going to be a song, and you know, you'll have fun. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So let's have a little bit of a a track to start with. And Uh this is um, the Witcher Blood Origin. From the soundtrack album, now one of the things, we have some issues with the uh, the actual show, we'll get to those, but I really think that they nailed the music for this. There's some great sort of folk songs and more of uh, Bear McCreary's excellent soundtracks that of work on this, and so this is the story of the first Witcher by Bear McCreary from the Blood Origin soundtrack.
0: Hi, this is Fraser Hines. You're listening to
1: Zero G on 3 FM. I played the companion to Patrick Troughton's Second Doctor, the Highlander, Jamie McCrimmon, and there can only be one. That's McCrimmon. Craig and tour. Bear McCreary there with The Witcher Blood Origin from the soundtrack album of the four-episode Netflix miniseries spin-off from The Witcher television series. (laughs) It's Bear McCreary, well-known on Zero-G for his work on New Battlestar Galactica, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Outlander, The Walking Dead, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, and just about everything else. (laughs) <laughs> lovely,
0: lovely score. Yeah. Lovely score.
1: Love your work, McCreary. You do. Now, I did mention that The Witcher Blood Origin was produced by Lauren schmidt Hisrich, who was the showrunner for The Witcher series. And also uh, in the mix there is Declan DeBarra, who's a Irish musician, animator and screenwriter living in Australia who immigrated Ooh. to Australia in 1989. So he's got a fair discography to his credit, as well as working on the CW's horror series, The Originals, and also oh, yeah. Iron <laughs> Fist.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, let's breeze
1: past that one. <laughs> Perhaps not. Perhaps it informs this series. Uh, it is a series, <laughs> and it's four episodes and it's set 1,200 years before the events of the Witcher, so well before Geralt's yep. time. And it explores the origin of the first Witcher. Now, mm-hmm. look, I think it's basically a seven samurai kind of thing in a way. They have to get together seven warriors to go up against a naughty queen uh, or empress, mm-hmm. I should say, who's um, <laughs> in charge of uh, kind of like a Roman Empire type setup. So, you know, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> so we can travel on fairly quickly to that. Look, if this show has any strength at all, it's really in the characters. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, Sophia Brown plays Ali, the, uh, a member of the Raven clan, and there's a lot of clans in this sort of series, a little bit Game of Frony. Yeah. And she left all of that behind to become a wandering bard, basically. And I actually like her. Uh, Sophia Monek Brown, i um, seen her before in The Capture and uh, regular role in, in uh, Marcella and Click. Uh, she looks apart, she knows what she's doing with the role. She's kind of a, a bad girl, but also, mm. you know, she's outside of a clan. And in a way, that sets a template for all of the other characters.
0: Yes, yes, kind of fringe, outsiders, maybe loners. Yeah, last person standing, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Now, we do see her as a, as a younger person as well, so a variety of actresses sort of. Click sure. through the part. Uh, we have, what's her signature thing? Well, she can play a musical instrument uh, mm-hmm. and she is also wicked with weapons and with fists as well. Uh, Lawrence O'Farain is somebody familiar to you from Game of Thrones and Vikings and Into the mm-hmm. Badlands. He's got that kind of face. He has a niche, doesn't he? But look, he's working, it's so good for him. <laughs> In this one, he's an elf. So he has the ears, and I'm I'm sorry, it just didn't sit well with me for the whole series watching the ears. Yeah, sure. But, you know, that's okay. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with the um, uh, the prosthetics and, or, or whatnot, but it, it just, for some reason, it just didn't fit his face, you know.
0: Visually it didn't click, yeah.
1: Yeah, now he's a protector. Now he was um, in charge of uh, one of the groups of bodyguards, a clan that were looking after the princess before she'd become an, a power-mad lunatic. <laughs> and he has a history with a princess. He slept with a princess mm-hmm. and got caught at doing that and got kicked out of the kingdom.
0: Yes, roundly exiled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's all right, actually. He has some
1: good chemistry with the uh with the Raven clan warrior and I mm-hmm. I think he, he's where he should be. He's he's a bit foul mouthed, and that's good. It's appropriate in this context and, you know, he, he's got the physicality for the part. Uh, I, I have no problem at all with him. My favourite, absolute favourite in this is um, uh, the, the dwarf character and there has to be an obligatory dwarf in um, The Witcher. Uh, Francesca <laughs> Mills plays Meldoff, and she is scarily interesting. As a character, <laughs> she as like as a, as a dwarf. She carries a, a warhammer around, which is called Gwen, and and there's, oh, a, there's oh. a story to that. And it's my dog's name. <laughs> there you go. And it's a complicated and tragic tale. And right. this is uh, actually she's actually the I think she's the best character. Really yeah. interesting and okay. and slightly psycho. Um, mm, all, the, all the best ones are. <laughs> yeah, you know, she she and Gimli would get along well together, I reckon. <laughs> um, so she's a, a great character with the, some of the best lines in the show as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a, a bunch of other people in this Magnificent Seven. Um, we've got a couple of mages, uh, uh, well, that I mean uh, magicians, uh, who sort of get pasted into the... Uh, into the <laughs> mix, and I'm not really sure they work quite as well as they could. Star attraction is Michelle Yeoh. Yes, our headliner. Playing uh, Cyan, the, and she's the uh, the last member of a group of um, sword elves called the Ghost Clan, and she's trying to get her magic sword back. Do you get the feeling there's one too many quests
0: involved in this? I mean, there's a <sighs> I have some problems with the show. But, yes, everyone's got a bit of an agenda. Yeah. Mich- Mich- this is not Michelle's
1: first rodeo, uh, nor is it her first engagement with magic swords and stuff. She's looking for no. Soul Reaver. <laughs> and this just happens to be in the uh, the Princess's Palace. So that's convenient. Uh, of course. That's very convenient. Um, she's unreliable. She's not necessarily trustworthy, but she has, you know, Mm. wheels within wheels. So there's, there's that going for them. Um, she, she's great. You know, you can throw her into any, anything and she'll be pretty good in in it. Or pretty good. She'll improve things basically. Pretty good to excellent. Um, you know, we've got odd casting in this, like Lenny Henry is playing a, a wicked wizard. In this one, yeah, okay. No, we've just seen him in
0: um, Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power, playing. Oh, well, so he's take had a taste for high fantasy, and he liked. Well, it. it was
1: low fantasy in that because he was one of the uh, the the hobbit like people in that. Uh, the the half foot, a half yes. and also we've got uh, Minnie Driver actually shows up in this briefly too. She's uh, in the some of the uh, the bookend scenes. Providing a motivation for our bard to write a song. Yes,
0: yes, (laughs) some wise
1: words and so on. You know, (laughs) there's other people who show up in this too, like Dylan Moran playing, (laughs) this is a great name, Athrock one nut, and he says, that's all lies. (laughs) Oh, wow. I didn't get to his bit. Ah, ah, you, You dealt yourself out. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, okay. yes, I Left the table and exited the room.
1: Yeah, uh, and we also have um Miriam Mac playing uh and the the um the princess in this. And she actually has a motivation. She's quite obsessed with history. Okay. So, you know, and she also um had her life controlled by her brother who was the king. And um, uh, or and so she is um She's a person who's who has actually got a motivation. I thought in this for a change. For one mm. of these things. She's not just wicked. She has. She wants to um, look after the empire and and do all sorts of things. And you know. And when she gets together with Lenny Henry, that's probably not the best mix in the world because that doesn't go too well either. So yeah, that, that's the setup, and those are the characters for The Witcher Blood Origin. Um, uh, you've you haven't seen this one before it's does it have any relevance to um any of the games that you played
0: uh no not from my not from my thinking i could be missing something but it was all kind of new to me mm-hmm.
1: look they don't muck around everything steps out quickly they've only got four episodes to do it and i actually think that that that's a detracts from what has the potential. It's got the bones of being a, a solid story, um, mm. you know, and the cast, the cast is there for it, but I just don't feel like they actually managed to land it.
0: No, I didn't. I, I'll be honest, dipping into it, like I started it, I was like, okay, give this a go, and I just didn't care for it. It didn't grab me. I didn't feel like I wanted to spend my time on it, and with so much great stuff, it needed to really get me more invested and engaged Earlier, and it just did. It failed to do that. And I gave it like I think I watched one and a half, which is like an hour and a half's worth of content, and and I still was not invested. And and you know, I think maybe that's I wasn't in the headspace for mm. a high fair You know, for uh, lots of clans discussion of history, all of that. Like maybe I wasn't ready to absorb that. But I don't think the show did enough. In the early parts to set up and grab the audience. I also think it could
1: have been longer.
0: Yeah, you reckon? Yeah,
1: it needs. It's one of those shows where you're looking at it saying, "Okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fast forward through all of this." Uh, I think you needed a couple more episodes of infill, you know, so you would have some yeah. have, have some more breathing space for these characters.
0: I think you need a quality uh, like there's some other areas of quality that also needs a lift, though, if you're going to stretch it out more. But I agree, maybe fleshing people out, not rushing, trying to introduce everything might have helped. Also, they they went to the trouble
1: of creating these framing scenes to give it um, a, a, mm. a bardic sort of song format. They should have leant yeah. into that, I felt.
0: Yeah. It's kind of
1: n- not used to its full capacity. Mm. They might have engaged more with it, maybe picking out lines of the song and... Uh, and and then giving the actual story behind that line, you know, each each mm. episode could be a verse of the song. This is, you know, this is this is the uh, the glorified song in 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 legend, and and, 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 and here's here's the... what actually happened.
0: Yeah, I think that would be cool, and that
1: would give it a bit of
0: structure. Mm, mm.
1: So look, it muddles along a bit, even though as it's hard charging. Is that does that make sense?
0: Abs- uh, yeah, I felt I can't describe it either, but you're right. It like just keeps on going and going, but without finding its footing properly. Mm-hmm.
1: So I think there's potential here that's wasted a bit, and I actually think this deserves some some better treatment. I, I cannot speak to how accurate it is to the game or to the law because I just don't know. Um, yes. I, I've, I I've read the- some reviews, and and people who do know are not impressed. So you know. Yeah. And that is what it it's is. It's a bit of a shame. I did actually get some enjoyment out of it. Um mm. Dylan Moran's got this strange little dodgy part that sort of veers through it. <laughs> and it's it's kind of interesting to see if like if Bernard from Black Books ended up in this sort of like
0: he, he, <laughs> Well that's what he plays, isn't <laughs> it? Dylan Moran plays Dylan
1: Moran. <laughs> he, like he opened one of the a book in the in the mucky fantasy section or the magic section in his shop one day and got sucked into the pages and this is what happened.
0: <laughs> I mean I'd watch that. Let's ditch everyone yeah, else. There you go. Right, Let's, that show. Well, I would <laughs>
1: certainly I would certainly uh, follow the Dwarren strand of this through sure. her career. You know, that was, yeah. she's yeah. just amazing. Like, you know, she goes into a tavern at one stage and clears it out and we just hear <laughs> what's going on inside. <laughs> The screening yeah yeah <laughs> Oof, a vicious fighter so yeah that's uh, the Witcher blood origin look I, I can't really recommend it me neither uh, but you know if you're a completist you might want to well you see that's the thing you might shy away from it
0: now <laughs> yeah you yeah you want to keep your vision of the witcher world intact but yeah.
1: look i am going to watch anything with michelle Yeoh in it really you know that's mm, what's going mm, to happen mm, with mm, me. I'm just going to watch a Michelle Yeo thing just to see the, her, her role in it. And she just looks so good in these things, with waving the sword around.
0: And, yeah, she's fab. Like the way, And, you know, her character design is really cool. Yeah, and yeah. There's bits and bobs here, but, I, yeah, like I said, I dropped off pretty early. So, mm. so
1: not look, it's a try. And, you know, you look at it and you think of the sum of the parts. The sum of the parts doesn't equal the whole in this, I think. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, but the soundtrack is very solid, and mm-hmm. we shall have another track. I think, you know what, we'll go with The Black Rose, uh, which okay. features um, the actress who plays the raven, Sophia Brown, and this is from The Witcher Blood Origin. Bear McCreary is the composer.
0: This is Raymond DeFice, scribe of Metamia, and you're listening to Zero-G, science fiction, fantasy, and historical radio.
1: Yeah. Well, the Blackthorn Rose, <laughs> in case <laughs> in case you hadn't got the lyrics there. Yeah, rise up, yeah. Sophia Brown there with Ben McCreary composing that evocative track from The Witcher mm-hmm. Blood Origin, a soundtrack which actually deserves better than the show. Look, Absolutely. While, while I was listening to that, I was thinking of some elements that I did really enjoy about the show very quickly. It was just that the I like their revolution that they have uh, and I like their irreverent. Uh, mindset all the way through. You know, they're they're sending up things, Mm. they're having a bit of a leg pull occasionally, and that almost carries it through, but not quite. Sure. Yeah. All right, let's turn our attention to another show. And, look, this is is an interesting one because it sits at the intersection of at least four different genres. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've got Mm -hmm. the, let's overall say the mystery of the week. Yes. Detective with a gimmick. Now it used to be like it. They'd yes. be wheelchair bound, like in Ironsides, living in a trailer. The Rockford Files, be an obsessive compulsive like Monk, uh, an ex Vietnam veteran living in a friend's mansion. Magnum PI <laughs> is a d- yes. is a dog. We've had dog detectors before. Is dressed in a rumpled trench coat and drives a beat up car with a wife who is seldom seen but often quoted. <laughs> that's that's Columbo. Um, yep. At one stage, it was even enough, just he says in inverted commas, just to be a dame, as the gimmick uh, of the. Oh, it was. What a gimmick! Woman with a brain. Back in the sixties, it used to be a thing. I bet. Uh, now, when they have no formal detective enfranchisement, like a PI license, or or sometimes sometimes they actually are on the police force. Yes. Yeah. They often fill it in by giving them a, a preternatural skill or a power.
0: Yes, to elevate them from civilian
1: status. Mm. They can talk to ghosts, ghost whisperer, uh, which has got other aspects to it from detective, but occasionally they do that. Uh, They relive the last day of a dead person and prevent them from dying, true calling. Uh, They could be a vampire, Forever Night. They could be a Mm -hmm. beast, Uh, Ron Perlman in Beauty and the Beast, who actually is... Part of this show we're going to talk about. It uh, yes, could be an yes. alien, like in Alien Nation. Um, they could be rich and traumatised by a sign- signature animal, like Batman.
0: Oh yes. Uh, did you get the one? They could get tomorrow's newspaper delivered to them by a mystery cat, like in early edition. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like,
1: they could be a robot, like in Holmes and Yo-Yo. You're doing well if you remember that. Actually, they could actually be the devil, like in the in the contemporary Lucifer series. Uh, they could have a talking dog um, with a Scooby gang in tow. They could be the Hulk. <laughs> yes. Uh, they could have a sentient automobile like in Knight Rider or they could eat a dead person's brains and read their memories like iZombie. So, you know, the, the gimmick is there. <laughs> oh, the other little thing, that's a side issue. They, they should also have a signature car like Kit in Night Rider or Starsky and Hutch's 75 Grand Torino, Columbo's uh, Peugeot convertible, the Winchester Brothers' 67 Chevy Impala, the Scooby Gang's mystery machine, and no one's really entirely sure what sort of a van that was, um, <laughs> or a red Ferrari like Magnum PI. In this case, the heroine has a Plymouth Barracuda.
0: Yes, so in today's today's age you could be a woman down on her luck who has a special uncanny sense that can tell when you're lying or trying to be deceptive uh, and that is Charlie kale played by Natasha Leone in the show Poker face, which is on Stan streaming on Stan at the moment it's actually. One of the, another show that's being released week to week, but we've already got quite more than half of the episodes released. I think there'll be seven or so. Uh So still a couple more to come out, but plenty there to get started with. They all range from 45 minutes to an hour. So decent amount of content there. Now what's to note about this one is it was created by Ryan Johnson, the um... Ryan Ronson. (laughs) yeah. Exactly. For the network uh, Peacock, they want to start their streaming service. So it's NBC streaming service Peacock. So they're like, go on, Ryan, do what you want, basically. And he said, he went to Natasha Leone and was like, developing this show, I've got a rough idea, are you in? And so he's developed this show around Natasha Leone, who we've seen before in Orange is the New Black, the fantastic Russian doll on Netflix. So he's created this and her character with her in mind. And you can tell that she fully embodies it. And I think, and I think this is kind of okay, that this show's platform is really Ryan Johnson created, Natasha Lyonne starring, Mystery of the Week. We've also got, uh, Nora Zuckerman and Lila Zuckerman are the actual co-showrunners of the show. They're sister collaborators. They've got a history in TV. They've worked on Fringe, Suits, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So they've got shops there. And of course, Ryan Johnson, I dropped his name without expanding, but we know him well. So he's, he's busy. He's a busy man. He's, uh, Knives Out franchise, of course, The Last Jedi and got his start in the movie Brick. That was kind of his breakout. Uh, Looper as well. And he also did a movie called The Brothers Bloom, which starred Adrian Brody, who we see here. So we see some of his past collaborators pop up in this one. So Ryan is also writes executive producer, all of that jazz, directs the first two episodes, that kind of thing. So he's got heavy involvement and, we know he's a mystery fan from his work in Knives Out, so no surprise here that, as you mentioned, Rob, he's been influenced by some of the things God. that have come before. So we've got – so I'm, I'm interested to know, I'm a 90s mystery gal, so I'm talking like your geriatric detectives, like diagnosis, murder, murder she wrote, but you picked up the influences right away. What were the ones that, like, popped front of mind when you were watching this? Well, the
1: first episode is set in a, a casino slash hotel, and they mm-hmm. automatically start at, start when, with a, a shining-like shot of uh, low angle going down a carpeted corridor. You know, so yes. you're into the 80s there. But the orange block titles, very, yes. very 70s, 80s. Um, totally, you yeah. Know, and, yeah. you know, the music actually reminds me a bit of that too. Uh, and as well as the cinematography in general, there's sort of framing aspects of that. And, you know, Charlie's character... You know, she's like Columbo. She even sounds like Columbo a little bit. Or do you think that? uh, It sounds to me like she's gone to the school of gumshoe. For
0: Yeah, and I I, I kind of like that as well in that, as we mentioned before, she falls into that realm of, like, civilian detective. Like, she's got no she has no real dedication to the law. So, like, when she's solving these mysteries, um, they can kind of go, she wants to solve them, but she's not actually beholden to any kind of legal procedural. No. But what we are looking at here is the case of the week procedural. So it is a pitched um, as a murder mystery show, different case per episode. The first episode, like you mentioned, does an excellent job of kind of setting up her story and the journey we're going to go on. But I will say by the second or third is when you start to really pick up the format Mm. and what the show is going to be. I'd say the first episode sits a bit to the side. It's excellent and it's kind of a movie in itself. But um, as we kind of move along, we start to see it does follow the format of a Columbo. It's influenced by Magnum P.I., Quantum Leap, Rocket Files, that kind of thing. So the format is basically we meet Charlie. She's a cocktail waitress, which I think is an okay term because I think she calls herself that. So she's working at this casino in the desert, and uh, she, we kind of get introduced to her special power, for lack of a better term. And we kind of get a sense of why she has to set off on this cross country journey. So her ability to detect lies is kind of what helps her solve each crime. But she's also very switched on. She's street smart, she's savvy, she can definitely take care of herself. So. And unlike uh, Bill Bixby's character of
1: David Banner in the Incredible Hulk series, Back in the day, she actually has a skill set that allows her to get pick up casual jobs as she goes along, being a, a cocktail waitress. And she's in she knows service industry stuff.
0: Yes, and this is the perfect framing for how we're gonna to get to place her in these different settings episode to episode. So the procedural format is the same as Columbo. And it's something called a how catch em. So this is as opposite to a whodunit, which is what I I'm a who-done it gal. That's where I come from. So I was a bit thrown by this format, but basically it's an inverted mystery. So we, the audience, see the crime and the perpetrator at the start of the episode, and then we watch the detective as they unfold the clues and try to solve the mystery. Mm. So at first I was like, what is, like, what? What's going on? But then once you pick up, you really start to enjoy that format as it goes along. So uh, as we kind of go each episode, we get a new cast of characters, a new setting and kind of not gimmicky situation, but unique situation that Charlie's placed in um, as she makes her way across the country um, for reasons that we'll see that are set up early on. So I think before we kind of delve a little more in let's set the mood a bit so i'm going to play a song that sort of played at the end of the setup episode episode 1 so this is let's hear the track junior's farm which is by paul mccartney and wings so it's got a really lovely little title piece of music but most of the music we're going to hear throughout the tv show poker face is kind of um, contemporary music or like soundtrack music. There's no score necessarily. So let's hear this piece, Junior's Farm, from Paul McCartney and Wings.
1: This is China Mieville, author of The City and the City, and you're listening to Zero G on 3 FM Melbourne.
0: That was Junior's Farm by Paul McCartney and Wings. And we play that because we are talking about Poker Face and it appears on the soundtrack. Uh, Poker Face now streaming on Stan, created by Ryan Johnson, starring Natasha Lyonne and others. So this one it's got, because it has that case of the week format, part of the appeal of that is seeing who pops up per episode. So we've got a really great cast of characters and fantastic actors that are going to kind of appear in this show. And this is also something Johnson did purposefully because he loved the idea of that whole guest star idea that you could have on TV and having someone like a a particular actor, the center of the action per per episode. So that's something here. And some of the names we can look forward to, Benjamin Brighton, Adrian Brody, they're introduced in that first episode. We've also got Chloe Savini. Uh, Hong Chow, who we saw recently in The Menu, and I really liked her in that, Uh, Nick Nolte, Luis Guzman, Ellen Barkin, Jamila Jamil uh, from The Good Place and um, She-Hawk, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, another classic Johnson collaborator pops up, and Stephanie Su, who we saw recently in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And also some shout-outs to some classic
1: actors from classic iconic television shows from the 90s, I think, Uh, John Ratzenberger and Rhea Perlman from Cheers.
0: Ah, yes, of course, and someone from a more recent sitcom, Simon Helberg, who's in uh, The Big Bang Theory. He has a role in this as well, what I hope might be a recurring, so we'll see. Obviously we've got some great names in here and I think that it does really fit because each episode, and I've only seen the first six, have a distinct theme and setting. So part of the reason why she's going on this cross-country drive is so we can see different pockets of America. So we see a dinner theatre, we see an aged care facility, and we also have um, a heavy metal band that's touring and we have Texas Barbecue Joint. So we've got these really distinct settings that she travels through and distinct characters as part of this as well. I think the first episode... Feels like a '90s casino film. It's a bit retro, and I think that's one of the things that I really liked about this show. Is it has this feeling of being out of time, even though it's kind of retro. It's a little bit, uh, you know, you can't quite place it. But then you also, I mean, Johnson is kind of weirdly obsessed with incorporating cultural references and of the moment references. So there are references to things like TikTok, uh, Bitcoin. MAGA, uh, electric cars, like, that really place it in a contemporary (laughs) setting, but the tone and the way it's built are all, it still has this feeling of being out of time and being a little bit retro. Oh, yeah, the electric car, I remember
1: that. It it features a little bit in in an episode where they they need a car with a a conventional um, exhaust. (laughs) The car is electric, so
0: it doesn't work. (laughs) And sadly it does not yeah, and I think that's what's so interesting about this. And Bong Joon-ho gets a reference as well. Like <laughs> that like sent me. I don't want to say any more, but the Bong Joon-ho reference was so perfect. And there's also he does a little Johnson's um wife has a fantastic podcast called You Must Remember This, and that gets a little shout out in an episode. So there's little these little modern touchstones, but at the same time the format is so familiar that it does feel like something that could be in the 90s in the 80s or so on and so
1: forth. Yeah. I thought that um, the elements are all there that we mentioned before, you know, the mystery of the week, the detective with the gimmick, the detective with the powered gimmick, and that's very now, you know. It's, it's almost a superpower, but you could also think of it as just being really, really good at reading people.
0: Yeah, like she's just very tuned in, Um, but I guess it's the fact that it's so accurate, which I really like that she has such confidence in this skill. And when she,
1: if you'll excuse the, the French, whenever she calls somebody on a lie, she just goes bullshit, you know. And it's very forceful and, and it's puzzling for everybody around her. You'd think that this would bring her onto the radar of everybody, in, in, <laughs> you know, on social media and so on, and, and the people who are chasing her. And, yes, it's the other mm. element of this show. It is the the person on the run, the fugitive. Yes. So that's, yes. that's also Fugitive, important. yes. Do they, I've seen three episodes. You've seen more. Do they lean into that as they go along or is it just a, an intersection?
0: I think it's more just to keep the overarching story and to keep her on the fringes in a way. So to keep her taking these cash in hand jobs, to keep her going to these different parts of the country, I think that's kind of their excuse of her staying off the map. They do lean into it a little, like how she has to stay, you know, off the news. And that's also part of why there's some clever ways she gets around solving crimes or getting justice and it's all part of her still having to stay under the radar so in a way they do utilize that but I'd say it's the key theme is still this case of the week thing she sort of inspires
1: a crime in one episode I've seen you know like she was almost she's all instrumental in the setup for a murder
0: (laughs) I'd say that's not going to be the first time (laughs) and I think that's it like What's great is you see her piecing together these little clues that we, the audience, also see dropped. And I think even as you're watching the crime unfold at the start, you start to follow the pattern of, oh, that's why they're doing that, this, and, you know, it's it's sort of a little, still a little puzzle, which is what I thought would be missing, obviously, because it lays it out up front. But it's still, you still get some details dropped as she goes and uncovers everything. I think it's also quite pared back compared to some of his other work. Like I think it's a bit more back to basics as a as a kind of a vibe. Um, it's a little bit like Brick, and, I mean Brick's also a bit over the top and then it's got that whole noir thing going on. But, you know, we're really focusing on, okay, what's this little mini story that we're trying to tell? Who are the characters in it with her as this really nice anchor?
1: And the Technicolor characters, you know, they're yes. it's really the place where the guest stars can make their yes. mark, you know. And, and it feels very st- strongly like the eighties with that kind of thing as you were saying. And the other element of it that I, I noticed is it's extraordinarily funny along the way too. Lots of jokes.
0: Oh, it's so funny. And that's not just her. Like obviously she's a comedic actress, I think. She does drama really well, but um she's great at selling the comedy obviously. But there's also just these fantastic little moments from, you know, just side characters and it's it's firmly a comedy and I think I think that just makes it so enjoyable. I just I'm just through I loved it so much. I love a good mystery show anyway, but I think all the pieces here came together so well. I
1: love that bit where she gets drunk and goes to sleep on an outdoor picnic table and wakes up with a with a buzzard professionally. <laughs> yes, buzzard. <laughs> I can look. Easy mistake, understandable. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and that's it I think everything she's doing in the show she's so watchable so even if the story and the other characters weren't as good I'd watch it but they are good I'd also say something the show does which I really started to have an appreciation for the longer we the more episodes I watched was often in these mystery shows The cases will be a bit superficial and silly and the murder and the victim is really a bit throwaway and it becomes about the detective and solving and, you know, it just seems very unrealistic and that's why it's a bit of a cosy mystery escapism. This one, it shows you I think having the flipped format, it felt like there's real stakes. You get a chance to see the person before they, you know, you get to know them a bit. Sometimes it's quite heartbreaking and as it should be. And I think at first I was like, well, this isn't fluffy. I feel bad for this person who's been killed. But that's kind of the nice trend, I think, that we're actually showing victims of crimes as people first and really making you see there's two sides of people or showing a little bit of the background and just how awful, you know, just this situation is awful, like it's done in this enjoyable silly way watching this mystery unfold and seeing her solve it but there's real justice and you want that justice and and some of the crimes are
1: really shabby I mean you know crime is murder is shabby anyway at the same time you know there's such low rent stakes in 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 terms of why did they commit that murder that's pretty pretty penny ante stuff why would you do
0: yeah and it and I think that's interesting in that it sh- some In one of the crimes, I think we're probably thinking about the same one, there's like the desperation element and then in others it's so premeditated and, you know, one of them which I was pleased to see is a locked room mystery and obviously there's so much thought. And then in contrast we also have these crimes of passion as well. So it's it's got a good mixture. I thought that was a nice touch and I think that's deliberate because there's been a couple of episodes where the person who's the most likeable. Is obviously the person who gets it, unfortunately. So another element yeah. that they put
1: into this, uh, which they give subtle hints at along the way, they talk about her being a white knight, um, uh, um, a sort of a Miss Galahad. So they're actually playing into a into a very old trope here: medieval fantasy stories about King Arthur and his knights, and she is very much like that she sort of yeah. goes through her situations doing good in each town that she comes
0: to yeah and you can kind of see like obviously she's this scrappy character but at her at her core she feels for people and she feels loyalty and she wants to help and I think that's what makes it so believable she's not just like a scrappy oh I'm a smoking you know hard-edged person who's seen seen a lot of things she's also like cares about people and connects with people on this journey she'd
1: get on along very well with Jessica Jones I think
0: <laughs> yeah and I, but I would say she's nicer than Jessica she cares more you know like I think she's she's so Jessica can be a Yes, she can. (laughs) For lack of a better term. But you're right. I think it's that mixture of hard edge and vulnerability. And I think this character, Charlie, also has that. And she will even go
1: out of her way to get justice for dogs.
0: Justice for dogs. And that is the (laughs) highest form of justice, in my opinion. (laughs) So I think, look, overall, it has all the pieces of something I was going to like anyway. But I absolutely love this show i would highly recommend it if you're a mystery fan if you like natasha leone or if you like ryan johnson any one of those will work if you're a fan of all three which i am then you know that's mm. going to take it up another level it's a different kind of mystery too than what he's doing with things like knives out so which is classic who done it yeah, what was your overall thoughts? I know you you only a couple in. Um, I agree 100%. I'm 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 in on this show. It's it's fun. It's got enough
1: of a genre element in there. It's stylishly and cleverly done. It's it's like a Coen Brothers show but um dialed back a little bit. And if it if I have a caveat, it's some of the characters are a bit tropey even as eccentric as they are. And yeah. I would also say this is not a good show to binge in a day or anything like that because you're going to get, you're going to get oversaturated with the formula and it's a shame to do that to this one.
0: Yeah. And I will say, unfortunately, the tropey character thing just becomes more, more tropey as it goes on a bit. I'm curious to see what the remaining episodes will be like and how it will like wrap up the season, like what, you know, kind of arc we're looking for. So I'm very keen to finish this one. Maybe we just do a quick check back whenever it's, fully finished and the season is done. Um, It'd be interesting to
1: see her crash into some other formats along the way. Like she should run into a into a town where there's four kids with bicycles and walkie-talkies, you know?
0: <laughs> you never know what's coming up, although I did not see any child actors in that list of the cast, but we can dream, maybe season two. Uh, that was our discussion of Poker Face, which is the new TV show Mystery Case of the Week starring Natasha Leone. You can stream it on Stan. Well, that's about it for Zero G for today. I think we're going to go out with a track called No Children, and this is by the Mountain Goats. And the reason I'm playing this is because the lead singer of the Mountain Goats, John Darnielle, actually features in episode four rest in metal and so he plays a character called al and he's fantastic for his first acting role he's so good so i thought i'd play a bit of a mountain goats track because danielle in collaboration with some others also wrote some of the original music that you'll see featured in that metal episode and that one's a really fun one so i thought we'd just pay a bit of tribute to danielle and play something from the mountain goats okay well
1: thank you began Thank you, Rob. And thank you to Alice Savage, our podcaster. And coming up next is Joe Brunetic with Astroglama. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.